Hey everyone. Everyone join their PAX East? Yeah. That's what I like to hear. Well, welcome. Welcome to Hidden Gems. Thank you. You're welcome. Welcome, <laughs> Felix. Uh, my name's Dylan Vento. I'm the co-founder of War Games, and this is Hidden Gems. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Set the mood. Uh, to my right is my co-founder, my other co-founder, the other founder, man, uh, Mason Brown. How are you doing, Mason? Hi, Dylan. Hi. And then over here, our esteemed and illustrious guests, Felix Kramer. What up? And Mike Footer. Hi. You guys are we supposed to say who we are? Uh, Mike Footer made this book. It's a cool book. We'll talk about it more at the end. We'll talk about it at the end? Yeah. Okay, we'll talk about it at the end. And then Felix does everything. A lot of shit. I do a few things. Just no Chief Thirst Officer is what I heard. Chief Thirst Officer. I always forget that that's the title that I gave myself one time as a joke, and now I'm regretting. It's like Lego butts. I regret. (laughs) Never be careful what you brand yourself early on because you're stuck with it years and years later. So every time I typed in Lego butts into this PowerPoint, I was like, yeah, yeah, this feels, yeah, this is right. The SEO in Lego butts is top tier. Through the roof. Through the roof. All right. Well, this is Hidden Gems. Let me explain to you a little bit about how Hidden Gems works. Um, It's really fucking hard to find stuff on the show floor if you don't know where to look. Um, And we found that Mason, this is our third PAX East? Third PAX East. Third PAX East. Second PAX East Hidden Gems. Right. Um, and the first time we went, we were just like, man, there's a lot of cool stuff. And we only saw that much of it. Mm-hmm. Very little of it. So the point of this is to kind of like show people things they might overlook, show like very like things out of the way, um, try to prevent you guys from standing in giant ass lines for half a day and things like that. Um, which is, if you want to do it. Do it. It's all you. Yeah, live your but, best life. Live your best life. But <laughs> if you don't want to do that and you just want to be like, hey, someone, I wish someone would just curate some good stuff for me. <laughs> I, need we, cur- I need curated content. <laughs> Get on it. Discover Weekly, Hidden Gems. Um, well, we got your back. So basically, we, we all uh, go out and walk around the floor and usually around the rim and kind of find some, some interesting games that, we, that caught our eye and we'll uh, kind of talk through them and hopefully you guys go and check out some of the ones that you think are interesting. Yeah, tell them Hidden Gems sent you. Uh, are you ready? I'm, I was you guys ready? ready? Yeah. What, so what are, are we ready? doing again? Yeah, what are we doing? Awesome. <laughs> All right, let's start things off. Who are you? <laughs> Mason, tell me about the senders. Uh, so if you want to win a mountain bike, you can go to the Descenders booth. Um, Descenders is a, a downhill mountain biking 3D, uh, if you guys are familiar with Trials, uh, the, the motorbike game. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like that, but it's pedaling bikes and behind the back. But <laughs> That's what they are colloquially referred to as, the pedaling bikes. The pedalers. Uh, yeah. It's, um, it's really cool. Uh, it's Mike Rose's first game. What's their tagline? Do you remember? Fuck. It's extreme. Not five. It's not fuck. It's Descenders. Fuck. fuck. <laughs> Incorrect. That's what you say when you go mountain biking. It is extreme procedural free riding, and I think that is an excellent tagline. Didn't they also like include like a roguelike something or other in there too? I no. I saw Mike say that some at some point. No, probably Mike Rose probably said that to you. Yeah. Because he's an just idiot. me. Just but. Me. He's great. He's great. Sorry, that was rude of me. Um, no, but I found that when I when they were setting up, because they're right behind my booth, and they were setting up, and I looked up at their poster, and it had a picture of a bike, and then it just said extreme procedural free riding. And there's just so many things that that could apply. Like it just doesn't, you know, if you said that to me regularly, I wouldn't think of a bike right away. I don't know if I'd walk up to you and just say that though. 
<laughs> extreme procedural writing. Free writing, yeah. Free writing, sorry. There's a lot going on there. Anyway, so I thought it was really good. I like their tagline a lot, and I think it's a great example of, uh, of the, the uh, what the fuck tagline, you know, because like, there's lots of different like, taglines. You can, can I swear? It's a 13 plus. Thank you. So if you're Apologies. under 13, don't be in here. Uh, there's like different different types of like elevator pitches and, and taglines and stuff, right? And sometimes you want one that describes your game perfectly, and sometimes you want one that uh, evokes emotion, and then other times it really works for a game to just have one that's like that made zero. I don't. Know, I literally don't understand anything. You have to tell me more now. I have no choice. You have to tell me more. So and that's one of those. So. Catch their attention. It's a it's a great game to to play on the show floor too because it's it's not a ton of commitment to get into it. The concept is pretty straightforward. So you know you can kind of go by, pick up a controller, and bomb some downhills. I'm sorry. What? <laughs> uh, this is a video game convention. Oh, you know, you know, you know. <laughs> get going on some 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 sick downhills, bro. Eat a peanut butter sandwich while you're biking. I mean, you know. Um, Did your dad do that? Yeah, my dad. <laughs> There's nothing quite like hearing Mason say bro. It's just like you can feel it that how uncomfortable you are. You're so saying the word bro. Um, um, one thing that's great, though, and, and just one thing we want to call out about the game, is that it has this crazy depth of field camera effect so that when you're, what's immediately in front of you is is in focus, but then there's this kind of, this, I mean, if you're familiar with Depth of Field, it kind of blurs as you get out from the character. And it really does capture uh, an intense sense of speed, but also kind of what it feels like when you are going downhill on a bike and how it's very almost reckless and scary and a little violent. Uh, That's and I the think extreme part. That is the extreme part. The free riding, I'm not sure how they capture that. It's probably the bike part. <laughs> 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 we should, so check out Descenders. It's, um, it's by Felix's booth. No more robots? No more robots. robots. It's the playground. Yeah, it's over in the playground, yeah. uh, which is tucked behind Blizzard. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and they're doing a, a raffle for a mountain bike, so if you want to figure out a way to lug a mountain bike on your airplane home, um, <laughs> more power to you. I gave Dylan my, you, my raffle ticket. <laughs> you really want the logistical challenge. It's a nice bike. And it is it, a nice they, bike. It is a nice bike. They bought the bike for the audio, I think. Isn't that what he was saying? They're, they're using it to capture the audio for the, the game? Yeah. So okay. that's, a, that's a real development asset. The <laughs> you can own a part of the senders. We I don't know if that counts as equity, but... Yeah, that, that sound, sound team is really, really good. It's really it's cool. the same people on Tunic, so yeah. Yes, yeah, yes. Um, I just really quickly want to oh, say that when you mess up and you quote-unquote die, so th there is a life, you have limited lives, which they might just have for the purposes of the demo, but they when you hit a rock or something, guy just flips over, just like, and the controller shakes and the screen shakes, it's just like... Slows down a little bit, just like the GTA wasted things. Like feels the same. It's got way. some good, some good juice. It's good, uh, but if you hit a rock or something and your dude flies off, but he still flies through the finish line, it counts. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's real cycling rules. So you don't, you don't need does. to survive. You just need to finish. <laughs> so, so the camera just like swings around as this rag doll just flies through the finish line and then hits the ground and just limply lies there. I really liked it. Reminds me of that PSN game on the PS3, Pain, I think it was called. Uh, I do remember Pain. The yeah, slingshot game. You, like, the ooch the guy and just yeah. try to... Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that was extreme... Oh, God, what's the tagline? <laughs> procedural... Extreme procedural human flinging was Pain's tagline. <laughs> I like it. All right, moving on. Moving on. Felix. Oh, it's me, Death tell Trash. Me, tell me about Death Trash, uh, the best so title. You, you yourself are not Death Trash, though. Am I not? You're not. I feel like this title speaks to me. 
It's uh, very relatable content. It's very deeply relatable content. But the co- the actual game itself, the title's relatable, but then the game itself is quite relatable as well. And like when you first walk up to a game like this and it's got this like very grotesque, I mean you can see the poster has this like this uh, flesh kraken, as they're called in the game, and uh, it's obviously very. It's kind of gory because it's got all these like uh, this bl- reference, sort of like implied blood or implied flesh around it. And uh, so I first heard about this game um, ages ago. It feels like years ago now because someone asked me if I was in a video game because the main character, which who you can't see, has like my haircut. <laughs> Right, which is like as oh, long as yeah, they were well, talking about the flesh cracking. Everybody that looks that's got that haircut is clearly anyway. But right, um, <laughs> post-apocalyptic. Yeah, post-apocalyptic, obviously. But no, it, it turns out she's a super cool character, and um, I remember at the time thinking, "Oh, this is really beautiful," or in in a strange way. And so when I saw it on the show floor, I was really really excited. Um, and the more I learn about it, the cooler and more interesting it gets. Because at first I just assumed because I'm at this. What is the saying? Whatever. Making anyway. What? Making an ass out of you and me. I made an ass out of you and me. I was gonna. I heard my mother. I used the oh, word yeah. assume and heard my procedurally mother. generated free riding. Uh, yeah, I assumed it was an extreme procedural free riding game. Yeah. Um, I assumed it was gonna be very combat heavy. And when I started playing and watched other people play, there's a there's a mechanic that he's using in the game that is basically an RPG stat for empathy, and it really evoked like the same kind of like. Uh, uncomfortable feelings as like Undertale did in that moment. Ooh, I'm on You know, where you're like, oh, I'm making decisions that maybe are me making a decision and not just like a thing in the game. And so when I I looked at more of the mechanics, you pulled up, I pulled up the, it was like the stats for RPG leveling were like body, mind, and empathy. And then you find out through the game that the humans are actually kind of um, the like cold, you know, like combative uh, creatures and these like flesh crank krakens just want to feel things and they want to like reach out and and have human emotions and so it's this contrast because I, I genuinely think that games like this I, I assume things about games that look like this for sure. Oh yeah. I mean, I heavy think... combat heavy sort of like gore um, and yeah this one really surprised me so really, I love And it. I think one thing that's pretty powerful about it is it's, it's very clearly inspired by Fallout and those like old isometric top down RPGs but I think that your point about the empathy they're, they're really kind of Taking the, this this uh, genre or this this theme and kind of pushing it further, where it's it's not as much a love letter to the thing, but trying to make a new yeah. a new way to play a game like that. Yeah, and adding you know doing something different with an aesthetic that has a reputation is interesting. It's a risk, but it's interesting. And like the backstory of this game as well is that he when he first started making it, it has such a strong aesthetic, and this happens with indie games that have a very strong aesthetic. Sometimes is that someone immediately ripped. I don't know the full story, but I remember it being that someone ripped his key art and put it up on Steam. It wasn't just the key art. It wasn't just key art. The city name. The city name, which was. Uh, Fucktopia. Fucktopia. And he named his game it. And, and which is like a bold move because you know you know you're stealing when you steal the name. So. Fucktopia. <laughs> if you're gonna steal, you gotta go. Gotta go. Yeah, all you way. gotta go big. Yeah. So and um, you know and that was it. It, it simultaneously is something that um, at first you might think like oh but like that may have given his game a bigger profile but in actual fact it really dem- it's like horrible for morale first of all because you feel like you're having something stolen from you, which you are. And secondly, it's almost impossible to enforce any takedown on something like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, because yeah. if your game's not out and you have no copyright on it and you're just developing it as a solo developer, which this guy is, he's doing everything himself except for audio, um, then I, it's, it's such a tricky thing to then go through, the, to take the time out of making your own game, to go 
take down something that was stolen from you with no, almost no proof of it being yours. This was, this was also an issue that we see pop up from time to time, and this cloning issue is big. I mean, Rami went through this, and actually it was Rami and JW that, that really raised this issue to the public consciousness. Um, yeah, with Ridiculous Fishing? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah, it's so tough. I mean... It's t- it's extra sad to see. I mean, it happened with Baba Is You the other day. Yeah, I was well. going to say. Yeah, so Baba most recently, there's a game called Baba Is You, which you should all check out. It's Ramey's releasing mail. sometime this year. Mm-hmm. Um, it won. A, it swept the awards at GDC. It was really great. I mean, yeah, it didn't, yeah. It, that guy went up a second time. He's, he's lovely, like, oh. and it's a very simple game, and very and when you make a very simple game, uh, naturally speaking, it is quite easy to clone sets. Simple mm-hmm. game, and so um, that recently happened, and it's wonderful to see now the community come together behind it when it happens. I think a couple of years ago it was a little less; it was more difficult to talk to the community about the fact that this was happening. Right. With Baba is you, you watched the indie scene kind of come together and say like, "This is unacceptable. We can't do this anymore." Yeah. So hopefully that doesn't happen. You know, I mean, it's going to happen in general. It happened to like Firewatch, let alone like yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, but or threes. Um, Three's yeah, threes was one. a really tough one for me. That one, that one's brutal. But yeah, anyway, so the story behind here, not only is this game really interesting and in doing cool things with a, with an aesthetic, I wouldn't want to say genre, um, even though, because this genre is sort of halfway between an RPG and like um, like a, a narrative, say, mm-hmm. RPG aspects, and then combat aspects as well. But um, yeah, I think the, the story of him being a solo developer that is taking his time with it and making it as good as he can is really cool. So, I agree. Awesome. Oh, I'm all... Mike, tell me about Frostpunk. Oh, yeah, Frostpunk. Oh, Frostpunk. So, how many of you have played uh, Surviving Mars so far? All right, I mean, it did just release. It so. did just release. Uh, so, Surviving Mars is a game about uh, colonizing Mars, and before you even send people out, you've got drones on the ground trying to make a nice, you know, a nice welcome for the first uh, human survivor or human colonist to land on the planet Mars. Um, this is this is the opposite. So the world is completely frozen over, and you fled, and your people are cold, and they're pissed off, and they're hungry, and they're and you are their you are essentially their god. Not really. You just you're responsible for for managing this society. Um, things are really dire where Surviving Mars is really hopeful and uplifting and like super polished yeah. sci-fi. Frostpunk is grimy and gritty and and dire. Is it brutal? It's brutal. It's yeah. absolutely brutal. I might go so far as to say that some of the things that happen in it, and it's a strategy game, might even be visceral. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. All right. We haven't heard the V word in a while. Uh, but it's super bleak, and but it has great music, and it, the thing that really pulls Frostpunk together are these amazing decisions that you have to make. So at the beginning of the game, you find this generator. You, the generator's not powered. You have to send people out to go you know, harvest coal and you know, break down wooden, like these old wooden crates for, for wood so you can build your shelters and these old airplane parts so that you have steel to build, to build buildings. And then uh, you run into situations where things aren't moving quite fast enough, and the first hard decision you have to make is, are you going to sign a law where people have to work a 24-hour shift every once in a while? Oh. Or, and then, are you just going to sign a law where people have to work 14-hour shifts a day instead of 10-hour shifts because you just have stuff to, that needs to get done? Sounds like there's a little social commentary. There, there is. <laughs> uh, and eventually, um, you might wonder, do I have enough workers? And these kids, they're kind of freeloading here. Do I put the kids to work? Do the, kid, do the kids do, now do have to I go mine the coal? To work? You tell me, Mike. Huh? You tell me. Uh, yes, in my game they did. 
<laughs> Immediately. Think, um, not what, even a hesitation. No, it was, it was not a question. I need, I need more coal, kids. School's over. It's, it's an interesting booth, too. I think that it, it could be kind of a daunting game to walk up and try. I think it's a pretty big commitment in terms of learning curve, but I think also the art direction on the game is super strong, and even just looking at it for a few minutes, it's, uh, it's definitely worth at least walking by and, and seeing it in motion. I also like how this shot makes it look like it's part of the Facebook booth, which is not. I was actually going to ask, because that was me leaning. I was like, 11 bits. That Facebook booth is huge. It's in every picture you take on the show floor. <laughs> it grows bigger by the minute. Didn't they have, like, uh, Jay from Jay and Silent Bob doing Facebook? Yeah, stuff? he was yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. I thought you were about Frostpunk. <laughs> hey, so, hey but, I'm Jay. I, I like Frostpunk. <laughs> but, but here's the thing. These decisions get, like, worse and worse and worse. And it's like, all right, so you haven't built enough medical... Uh, facilities yet. Some people have gone from ill to gravely ill, and now you need to decide whether or not you're going to amputate. Or if you're just going to let them be, and then they're just going to die. Oh, by the way, and when they die, are you going to give them a nice burial, or are you going to just build a snow pit and dump them in there? And I swear to God, the game says this, you might need them later. (laughs) Well, something's got to feed the kids. I think there's a cannibalism law that's coming. I haven't gotten that far yet. That, that, game, that game just needs a default option for all of it. It's like, am I the worst human being? Am I the best human being? So Mike like Mode fire. is the worst human being. It's like, no, dump, dump him in the pit. We're going to need to eat him later. I'm learning things about you today. It's, yeah. it's terrifying. But so, the, the one thing that I, that I really enjoy about the game, obviously, you know, people, people can die, and that can ruin your society. Uh, but mm-hmm. the, the temperature can get even cold. You have to manage your heat. And when you click on the generator, you can actually see a temperature overlay and see how far your heat is spreading out. Mm. And then you have to, so instead of um, in a lot of games where you're managing, so if, using the surviving Mars analogy, where you have to manage like how far your drones can go and do I have pipes connecting stuff? No, it's like, do I have enough heat like radiating out? And do I have nodes like that are heating things? One of the interesting things, and this is the cool commentary piece, there are two meters at the bottom. There's a discontent meter and there's a hope meter. So if you run out of hope or your discontent meter fills up because let's say you ate people or put all the kids to work and then they died and maybe ate the kids. I don't know. I'm not saying you should do that. It's not advice. Or is it? Oh, um, you know, that's what you have to manage. The, when I came away from the booth, it's, I thought about my time playing SimCity, and my biggest problem in SimCity was, was, was a poop problem, like having to get, make sure that there were sewers to get yeah. all the poop out of my SimCity and dump it in somebody else's backyard, I guess. And this, this game, like, really just amps that up. Like, poop, amputation, and eating people. Mm. Anyway, so that's Frostpunk. It, it's a city builder. It's essentially a city builder, um, but it's done in such a way where that, where that generator is the center of your, of your colony. And you, you do have to build streets, and you do have to, so that things are connected, and you do have to make sure that you've got heat nodes. It does have some of that SimCity bit where, where you right. do have to be very strategic about where you're placing things. Um, but it also has that more... Um, that more s- survival. Like sim, survival that like yeah. Surviving Mars does. I got that vibe a lot. Is there an asset for the people pit that you drag from your... Architecture. I should have zoomed in on it. There is an asset. You do have to build a snow pit. You know what I would like to call the the body locker. Um, Pretty brutal. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But I didn't zoom in to see like if somebody was like standing there in like mid wave, like waiting to be eaten. (laughs) So Frostpunk seems pretty fun. Where where is this game developed? Can I ask? Do you know? 
Who, uh, where is Lebanon? I can't remember. <laughs> no, I wouldn't doubt it. This is I, this feels like an Eastern. I mean, an European or Eastern European game. Yeah. yeah, I mean, this is the this is the studio that did this War of Mine. And yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. So I mean, yeah, this yeah, War of Mine. Yeah, 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 Look, yeah, yeah. I've done a lot of joking about the subject matter, but they've they've done a really good job yeah, in the past of tackling really hard decisions that really make the player decide who they want to be, you know, in that in that game. So if you liked this War of Mine and you liked some of the hard decisions you had to make in this game, Frostpunk is absolutely going to be for you. Liked is a very... <laughs> if you had an emotional, a positive emotional response that you would like to experience again, this time with amputation. Sometimes you just want to despair. Yeah. Sometimes there I just want to sit and despair. A game doesn't have to be fun. Agreed. A game can make you just feel <laughs> well, things that you let's like move to move on on that now. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's about to get done. So, early. speaking of somber games. <laughs> yeah, what is next? This isn't somber. <laughs> this looks fun. Logjammers. Logjammers. Uh, a joke. Yeah. Okay. Oh. That's a joke. Oh. Okay. Uh, so Logjammers, so Mega Cat Studios, there's this, they're the studio based out of Pittsburgh, um, and they do NES carts, like this one right here. Um, they do custom NES carts. They actually do Genesis. Well, you see Coffee Crisis in the in the shot on the left. Uh, that's their their Genesis game. But uh, these guys are really friggin' smart. Like they code these in assembly. Uh, all these custom games. Logjammers is um, a <laughs> Oh, okay, it's Windjammers, all right? I, I don't know how a better way to describe it's it. Win, it's yeah. it's Windjammers on NES. It's, um, a, it's a multiplayer, one-on-one um, -on -one sports game. Yes. Uh, and so the, the picture on the right here is the NES version of it, which they got working. And they have a bunch of different games, and not even games, just like activity stuff. Felix, you'll like this. They have, um, so there's the NES d dance mat, right? Or like the, yeah, the power mat. Um, they have a game that you play with your cat. So you plug the power mat in. And you have cats, right? I do. I, I have do cats. Like wait, trying wait. to relate. I have um, gremlins. <laughs> and um, so, the they put like images or something on the screen, and the cat like interacts with the the pad to interact with the screen. It's a really, I'm it's a really interesting thing. Very, very interested in this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, so they make a bunch of custom NES games, um, a custom Genesis game, and then they're also porting them to Steam. Port porting. I, I think they're just making them again, but for Steam. They're and, rewriting them in C sharp. Hmm. They're they're going up from yeah. assembly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's a really cool booth. If you like retro stuff, it's a cool thing to check out. Uh, uh, seeing their games running on CRTs is cool. Yeah. Uh, I think that the devs are, are are super excited to talk about you know their process and stuff as well, which is which is always a fun time as well. They're uh, they're one of the devs. They, we had a couple of devs uh, kind of talk to us about like. You know, these, these indies are, like, working really hard, trying to get themselves out there, and they're, like, specifically, they came to us, and they're, like, do you have any marketing advice? <laughs> like, not to say that, not to paint them as, like, ignorant or anything, but, like, it was weird. We had multiple people, I guess it's because we do a panel, they're just, like, what's your advice on, like, X, Y, or Z for, like, my marketing roadmap? And I was kind of, like, uh, you're the one with the PAX booth. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, it's, it, it, it's very, it's cool to see that stuff all the time. It's like, we're all, we're all working on. Oh yeah. On yeah. I mean, stuff. it's, yeah. Yeah. Check it out. Oh, take this, take this. Uh, are you guys familiar with the diversity lounge at PAX? Yes. Yeah. 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 It's, pretty, it's, it's really cool. Um, and there's a, a nonprofit in there uh, called Take This, and they do uh, mental health awareness stuff in the, in the games industry, which we, uh, we thought was really interesting. Um, and one thing that they do that's it's really exciting here is they do the, the AFK room. Yes. 
which uh, is like if you if you need to take a breather or something, you can go up there. I think they have like uh, clinical like help up there too if you need to speak to someone. Yeah, I've volunteered there before. It's really fun. Yeah. Um, they have a lot of really calming activities, like um, like if you have restless hands or anxiety, there's lots of things to walk in, and they won't. What's really great about the AFK room is that the rule, if you're a volunteer there, is that you let people walk in and sort of set their own pace. So if they want to sit, if they come to you, obviously you chat. If they sit down, you give them a few minutes, and then you go over and just say like, "How's it going?" Um, and so there's never any like obligation to talk to anyone. If you just want a quiet place or if you need alone time, mm-hmm. AFK room is 100% a place you can go for that. And at stuff like this, it can get really overwhelming. You yeah. know, a lot of people need space. And yeah, it's it's a really, really great place to go. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they're, they're small. I mean, they have three full-time employees. So I think they're, you know, one of the big things for them is constantly uh, being seen and being known. And they, and they work a lot in the industry as well, like coaching developers and how to handle mental health with your with your devs because it can be a very stressful environment as well and i think stuff like that especially in the uh the development scene is also critical for the the industry to survive right and we like showcasing stuff like this because it's important to know what's what's here at pax that's not just on the expo floor because there's a lot that's not on the expo floor mike oh that's me children of morta um also in the 11-bit booth showing us all up with notes like yeah, yeah. It's all man. organized. I can't write, so I took I, mean. I took notes. Let me find my notes. Oh, there they are. So this was described to me by uh, one of the developers as Diablo meets Hyperlight Drifter. Um, it is a hack and slash roguelike game with some really cool narrative elements, and it was the narrative stuff that absolutely hooked me as I was playing. So you actually play this family of guardians. You're the, you, your family guards this, this mountain, and there's this evil substance that's been seeping up through the ground, and you need to go to the top of the mountain um, to talk to this greater mountain god, but you can't get up there until you free the lesser gods who have become trapped during this whole thing. So you play these six members of this family, and it's it's handled um, in kind of a roguelike fashion where uh, the there are a number of different dungeons, but the dungeons procedurally generated. You go in and there are monsters, and um, some of the characters play more um, like twin stick shooter. There's a, a, like the the little girl that I got to play as is a fire mage, so easier to play as a twin stick shooter. The father in the in the family. Uh, use, um, has a sword and shield, so it's easier to use the buttons for him. So some different play modalities, which is which is kind of cool. That's cool, yeah. Um, but yeah, you go into the dungeon, you find these totems that enhance your abilities for that run, but you do level up in between, which is which is kind of neat. So it doesn't have permadeath. If you die, you just go back to the house. So um, Diablo. That way too. Yeah, right? you can just go back, right? Yeah, I mean, there's, uh, there's no. It's not like it's not a situation where where you're kind of running into it, and it's like, well, if I die, I lose everything. Nope, you die. It's the end of the run. Your experience gets tallied up. But every time you die, you go back to this the house this, that's this hub, and um, you see this little narrative moment between um, members of the family. Oh. So one of the ones I had where I went in with the father, I finished my run. I mean, I died. Um, and I got sent back, and he goes up to the library where the mother, who happens to be pregnant, is, and she's like reaching for a book. And this is you know, this style, you know, it's it's kind of um, you know, it's it's low poly, yeah. you know, it's it's, but but you get a, a really good sense of it. So she's reaching for a book, and she falls off the ladder, and he catches her, and the book happens to be a like a family album, and they sit in the sit on the floor, and they look through the family album oh, together. So there's a there's a big there's a big. Um, 
uh, there's a lot of attention to, to narrative moments. What's really cool is there's a lot of stories that can, can kind of evolve out of the game. One of the ones that they were telling me about was if you find a wolf cub in the dungeon, you bring it home, but it's sick, so don't, while you're on like dungeon crawling and doing your thing, you find herbs to, to heal it, and what? then the wolf is like your in best your friend. House. Like he's, he's a buddy. Yes. Cool. Um, so I really like the whole idea of roguelikes has been done, hack and slash has been done, but having the six different characters that all play very differently and that all can evolve on a s- single dungeon run yeah. based on the things that you find. Very cool. And then those narrative moments that kind of pull it back together gave it a really strong loop. Yeah, and that, a reason to keep playing too. Yeah, right? absolutely. Not, so it's not just monotonous. You want to find out what happens, and that's cool. Um, and again, it was... It, I think we're, we're starting to see a lot of these games that, that do the whole chocolate and peanut butter thing. Mm. Where um, and do it, doing it really well, where they take two very yep. different kinds, or something that you might not expect from the genre, and, and kind of fit it together, and it works really well. Uh, so someone told me about this game of Pack South, and the way they described it to me was, "All right, so you play this game, and then when you die, your family ages." And I had a panic attack <laughs> when they described it that way. It's like every time you die, your family gets older. And I'm just like, what? We're all we're all inching towards doom. Yeah. Yeah. This is here yeah. to infinity. Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> Moving on. Your family gets older all the time. That's, that's how this works. No, 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 no. Oh, with friends like these. Okay. Um, so I was walking around the show floor and caught the eye of uh, a uh, a lovely human standing by a. a a screen and no one was at a screen and he had two controllers. And I'm always curious anytime I walk by a station that has two controllers out because it's a very ambitious thing to bring a multiplayer game to a show because at any given moment you obviously need more than one person to properly demo it. And so I walked up and he said, hey, do you want to see the game me and my wife are making? And I was sold. I was like, yes, that's adorable. <laughs> Absolutely. I want to see the game you and your wife are making. Where's your wife? And she was at home. Um, but he, he said, yeah, yeah, we... Um, so I picked up the controller and immediately saw, I mean, you can see here, um, the tiny little people on the little two little circles, blue and pink on the left, um, are you. And you can see these, you can, there's, there's blue sky there and then there's some bubbles. And the mechanic of the game is that you, one of you is controlling the pink and one of you controlling the blue. And one of you is movement and one of you is the gun, the sh- like the shooting at any given moment, depending on sort of Ikaruga style, what background you're standing on. So, uh, and only pink can shoot pink targets and only blue can shoot blue targets. Like that uh, Ikaruga? A little Ikaruga, it's a little Ikaruga, little lovers in a dangerous space time. So, um, So you're working together and at some moments, obviously if I'm flying, I'll need to know, okay, there's only pink targets left if I'm playing pink. There's only pink targets. I need to be the gun, so I have to move out of my area into their area, and they need to anticipate it and be pushing in the right direction to continue the movement, right? So it's a lot of communication. Obviously, if you tried to play this without speaking, it would be a little bit tough. Right. There's a lot of communication, but, at, but I love games that at the end of the day, once you've played them, you feel like you together accomplished a thing like it really there's and you get better every single time and you get it and uh and, and it's also adorable anytime you're the gun your little eyes are are angry <laughs> you're angry anyway it's it's and it looks adorable. incredible it's in motion too i think it's just it's just a, a gorgeous game like it's, yeah it's, and it's the, fun to watch it people does, play it yeah. does like 
because it's a, a a couple developing it, like a married couple. It does sound like like the perfect kind of couples game of like yeah. cooperation. Yeah, and but, but and co-op as opposed to competitive, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Like it's so tough to find game two-player games, especially that are about the two of you accomplishing a thing as opposed to the two of you clashing. Um, I don't know. My girlfriend and I play Poi Poi Tetris all the time, and I smoke her, and our relationship <laughs> is better than ever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, but yeah, so so that's and anyway, so I saw this and just fell super in love with it, and I'm always looking for more co-op games, especially games that don't just apply to romantic couples, but kids. Like the idea that you can play with your kids and that the two of you can can succeed at something together and maybe even like you can set the difficulty and that kind of thing. Like that's just always something I'm looking for. So um, cool. this really spoke to me. Yeah. And it's at the uh, Indie Mini Booth, which is part of the Mega Booth. And the way the Mini Booth works is that they cycle through games. So today's the last day it's showing it. So um, uh, yeah, Oops. start running. <laughs> Everyone leaves. Look it up. Yeah, they're they're Australian, right? I think I think I think it was Australian, and um, I would highly encourage everybody to do a Google for. I mean, it has a horrible SEO, like you were saying. How are you going to look up with friends like these? Yeah, well, I, if you look up Shy Kids Club, which is a, okay, yeah, you can that, find that Shy Kids comes up really perfect, really quickly. I can only assume that's what Australia looks like. <laughs> just just beautiful and colorful. Yeah, Fight Night. Fight Night. Mason. Uh, Fight Night's incredible. Fight Night is incredible. Uh, if you're familiar with uh, dungeon crawlers, like... Um, well, here, let me explain like this. Okay. Uh, you're, a knight, you're a knight, you're a knight, and you fight. You following? I, I, I think I am following. All right, good. Nothing, all right, moving on. No! <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, go what's ahead. The, what's the, the, the dungeon crawler that you always tell me it's like? Legend of Grimrock? Legend of Grimrock, which I played that game in love. So this game is, is if you're familiar with dungeon crawling, uh, kind of exploring these, these dungeons... Um, is it a first person? Yes. It is in first person, so, but your only means of interaction with the entire world is punching. The, so you open start, doors by punching. You, you just have like gauntlets to, and you're just yeah. punching? You just bump, punch. bump, bump, bump. Like, right, Everything's right, super bouncy, right. so he's just like jumping in down like this and he just like rapidly hits on stuff. He's it's got a, amazing. Yeah, that sounds really good. So like the beginning of the game, you're like on a dock and you're like walking up and this like guardsman has fallen over and he's like being attacked by a skeleton. And he's like, take my sword. And then you pick up the sword like like this and then you just crush it in your hand. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, what are you doing? And then you just start punching the skeleton. But even in the tutorial, like the guy's like, hey, welcome to Fight Night. And you just punch him to continue the dialogue. Like, yeah. like <laughs> every this absurd interaction. world where the only way to do anything is violence. <laughs> it's well, so good. It might not be that absurd. I really, it's, it's an amazing game. <laughs> wow, I'm um, sold. Yeah. And it's just, it's got this, this just feel to it. Like when, when, you're, when you're really wailing on skeletons, which is, I guess, part of do the it game. Do all the time. Like the game, like the camera zooms in as you're just like punch, 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 and you, they have these crazy facial. Experience. You can see right there, actually. They they look very sad when you're when you're beating the skeletons <laughs> to death. But the guy in the background looks worried. He's like, oh no. But there's like this this real sway to it. It's it is it is worth seeing in motion, and it's the the booth is you have to seek it out because it's this yeah. little monitor. But the two devs could not be more stoked to show their 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 uh, skeleton boxing game. I don't think I've ever said this, but I think this would make a cool VR game. Oh man! I don't think I've ever because I don't. I mean, I love VR, but I don't. I don't ever think that the crossover between like um, what you would make for a computer or a console mm-hmm. and what you make for VR tend, that doesn't tend to cross over that much. Right. You have to design for VR, but something like this would be super cool. So I was talking to them because you know the hot thing now is to be on Switch. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, we're thinking about it. Oh, I guess Switch. Yeah, using motion controls. Oh, that's cool. But the thing is, like, moving that fast, because he punches really free. I mean, he's very good at one fighting. one-to-one. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, yeah, not one-to-one. Um, but yeah, it's 
really cool. And it's all made in Game Maker, which is awesome. Yeah, which is a 2D engine and the game is 3D. Yeah. So. And yeah, clearly. Yeah, it's like yeah. all mostly like all this shader stuff he's doing with the dithering and stuff. Well done. Oh, there's also a dither slider, which is awesome. <laughs> you can crank up the dither. Oh, it's so yeah, good. It's good. That nostalgia. All right. Let, how, do you, how, how do you pronounce? How do you pronounce this game? I don't know. So I walked up. <laughs> okay, so I don't know. I don't know. I, I, don't I think know. it's. I think it's pronounced quinoa. Quinoa. Yeah. <laughs> uh, apologies. Oh, I, I heard it's high in protein. Apologies to the developer. Uh, they were very very sweet. I walked up and uh, like immediately saw this game and was like, oh, this is so cute, which is a thing that people do to my game and so I was like oh I, I should follow through on this because often people come by a booth see a cute thing oh it's so cute and you're like do you want to play and they're like no and you're like oh, hi um, and I saw this and I went oh it's so cute I'll play and the developer did say the name of the game but I was not paying attention I was multitasking on how cute it was well I guess I did hear it and then, it's a uh-huh. very no no in I think memory, it's a very beautiful no, no. game like it is worth like in being my memory, absorbed into. in my memory they open their mouth and only static comes out right like, just, <laughs> like, like, little, this is my game meanwhile I'm like very focused so anyway Kinoto Kinoto um, that sounds right it sounds right that feels right every now and then a game comes out that uh, triggers my like perfect love and tranquil n- nostalgia for latent games when they very first started coming out. And between latent games and Phoenix Wright and games that were uh, like visual novel esque, but uh, just gorgeous to look at and really re- and lovely music and charming. Um, and this game immediately evoked all of that in me. And uh, and it's a game about folding the world in front of you and so you you arrive to a town and it's a witch town and it, the game also opens with a who's on first joke where he's right. like what town is this and she's like witch town and he's like what town is this and she's like which town and he's like this, this town, town yeah. it is. It's, it's, it's great uh, and uh, so that, that sold me immediately I was like oh this is, yeah, I hate puns but that one's a really good one and, uh, and so the, you know the very first thing you do or you learn is that you can split the screen anywhere on the screen and then pull it together like you would in old I don't know if anybody else remembers it but in like old Archie comics and other yeah. comics mad there would magazine. always be those mad magazine there would be those ads that you had to pull together mm-hmm. and it would make a and so it just reminded me of that and, uh, and so that you create a dotted line kind of like in Splitter critters or in other games that have done that recently and then you split the screen and you pull it you can pull it together you can also fold it and twist it so you right click and you can like draw your line and then fold or twist on that line and so it's very it's an environmental like um it's very interesting environmental game and insofar as you are always solving puzzles in the environment the mechanic is pretty innovative i haven't seen anything interact with the world that way which i think is another reason why it's worth seeking out just to see new types of games. And it's over in Pax Rising, which is always just like... I like Pax Rising. Pax Rising is just so lovely because you get to see people who definitely haven't shown their games before. Right, you know? right. So, um, and it's worth, it's definitely worth checking out. I would, I would, I, it's hopefully, I mean, he has it working on iPad as well. Right. So, um, and that I can imagine just drawing the line on iPad. It feels very twisting. appropriate It feels that, very intuitive for, yeah, so cool. I, uh, I, yeah, anyway, take a look because it's, it's one of those uh, too cute, Kinoto. too cute to, too cute oh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Kinoto? Kino- I think Kinoto sounds Kino- Kino- close. Yeah. Oh. Omen sight. Omen Mike. Um, so, <clears throat> how many people like Majora's Mask? Oh, this is not. Okay, cool. pay attention. So, instead of having three days before the world ends, you've got one. You play this character called the Harbinger. You're a mystical warrior that only shows up in times of 
Real badness. Despair. Despair. Serious. You are a harbinger, yes. You're, yeah. It's bad. Yeah. Stuff's, stuff's getting bad. Yeah. So what happened was uh, this, this woman called the godless priestess has been... There's a dark streak. Okay, like, yeah, yeah, you gotta, a lot you of depressing theme. games. No, no, no. This, this game's awesome. This game's, this game's not depressing. Okay. I'm just positioning it. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how are you doing, Mike? Uh, I'm all right. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, you okay? I'm going to go to the AFK room. <laughs> oh, okay. That's good. That's good. Um, but so uh, this woman called the Godless Priestess dies. Her soul is trapped. And because her soul is trapped, this evil thing is going to come and destroy the, destroy the entire world at the end of the day. You have to solve her murder. So what you do is you have to make choices about uh, where you start in the world at the beginning of the day um, and who you're going to align yourself with. Uh, and you get to choose what to do in the morning, and then you get to choose what to do in the afternoon, and then the evening moment is the culmination of your choices, and then the world ends. Okay, okay, okay. And then you get to level up and start it all over again, and you unlock clues. And each of these characters that you meet has, a, like, is in possession of one of these seals, and you need to unlock all of these seals in order to free, to solve the murder and free her soul. Is it a, a third-person? It, it is a third-person wow. platforming, like, hack-and-slash game. It is ambitious. It is really ambitious, and it works really, really well. They, have, they actually have a fairly large booth, wow. which I didn't realize. Yeah, two numbers. Um, because they're also in the Indie Mega booth. Wow. Uh, cool. there's, they have one station in the Indie Mega booth, and then they have a slightly larger booth. But the game is... The game is re- Sorry? Hmm? Oh, they're over in oh, the oh, PlayStation there's, there's a lot of, yeah, there's Okay, a lot so maybe they're not so hidden. My bad. I hadn't heard of it until you, you singled it out, and then we seeked it out. Yeah, Omen, what? Very ambitious. I really like it. it. It's extremely ambitious. Now, here's, here's the thing that, that captivated me. So the, the moment that I got to play was uh, you're sided with the rebel leader. There's also a war going on between the Imperials Naturally. and the rebels because, you know, that's a thing that happens. The Imperial leader, uh, her name is Radica. She is from the country of Rodentia. BRB changing my name. Yeah. That is an excellent name. Yeah. Uh, and she's a, she's a mouse. And then you you make your way to the to the emperor who she wants you to assassinate. Uh, He's an eagle that turns into this firebird. What? He has just murdered a bear. Uh, (laughs) If you don't find if you don't hang out with the bear earlier in the game, apparently the bear is just gonna die. This is amazing. uh, So yeah, it's all like really cute, really well well voice acted characters. And then you have to choose at that moment when you voice acting. It's voice acting. Holy crap! Uh, It's huge. It's it's. it's, I I am surprised that I hadn't really been aware of it before, but I'm delighted that I got a chance to play it. So then you have to choose. Like she really wants you to murder the the emperor, but you get there and you have to choose. Like, uh, are you gonna follow through with it? Or you're going to use, like, you can, like, give the emperor your vision of what happened, and that allows you to side with him, and then he, like, tells you this prophecy of what happened. So you unlock information from him, but you then forego the other information that I you I actually have want you to stop talking because I'm too interested in this game, and I don't want any more spoilers. No more spoilers. Yeah. I, Go play I, I literally don't No more spoilers. Yeah. 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 No, like, I like this team. This pitch was excellent. You sold me. So. Sweet. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> me. <laughs> uh, okay, Intergalactic Space Princess. I, uh, full disclosure, uh, my goal for this panel was to choose games uh, for who, like, you know, 
games made by people I didn't know or games I had never played before. I do know Izzy. She's the sweetest human in the whole world. Izzy's great. Uh, she's so hardworking and so lovely, and she's making this game. She was making this game by herself for a long time, and she just brought on a couple people to help her out. And uh, I was, I'm a sucker for solo devs. I'm a sucker for people that dedicate themselves to something so deeply that they believe in, and Intergalactic Space Princess is incredibly charming. Um, it's uh, a game that, for me... Uh, is testament to if you don't know how to de- if you feel like you don't know how to make a game and you feel like you don't you don't have the skills to do certain parts of the game resourcefulness can definitely be your ally in all of that Izzy does not know how to art or model she doesn't know how to draw or model and she's making the whole thing by herself and uh, if you talk to her about it she'll be really honest about using Unity Store assets and being like but the game looks unique like the myth that Unity Store assets make all game on you can tell a game right yeah like, you think you can because there are some out there that just pull like, this them is asset flip there are so many games out there that are using asset store uh, like free assets from the asset store that take the time and energy to make it look different unique and put themselves into it and I really think this is testament to that um, it's a story about being uh, a young woman who go, has to go buy milk and on the way back from buying milk. Uh, gets eaten by a giant worm, and we've all been there. A giant space worm. Yeah, same. Yeah, who, who, who among us has not <laughs> truly? Sure uh, gets transported to another world where she gets mistaken for uh, the actual space princess of that world, and so then uh, hilarity ensues, and, and all sorts of missions ensue, and she has cool. to figure out her life from yeah. there. So, and just um, an awesome case study if like you're interested in game dev and just what a little hustle can do for you. Yeah, and I think a, she's got a, a ton of hustle. <laughs> like, she's, I mean, she's got a lot of hustle. Yeah, but she's definitely a person that uh, she's incredibly inspired. And um, and every time she comes to a show, she can't help but bring her. I mean, you can see this booth. She brings all of herself to the booth. Like there's sparkles fucking everywhere. There's glitter. There's cookies. There's just flowers. It's just it's awesome. Like I've never met anyone more true to uh, to her own aesthetic in my life, and she's a treasure. So yeah, awesome. check her game out. And it's also it's in the PAX Australia Roadshow. Oh yeah, it's down in the PAX Australia at the very back, which is cool that PAX Oz has its own section. Yeah. I think that's yeah. really I like really it. neat. Yeah. Juggernauts. Ah, oh, Juggernauts. Juggernauts. <laughs> Felix Juggernauts is amazing. All right, so Juggernauts, real quick pitch. All right, so um, what you were talking about before is like how it's hard to have a multiplayer game yep. on the show floor. Like Juggernauts can be played with up to four people. Um, you can do it cooperatively or competitively. But so the basic premise is you have a line, you have a conga line of aliens, and you're all assigned a color. And what you do is you hit a button and you swap yourself to the front of the line. That's all you can do. And that's all you can do. And there are puzzles wrapped around that. So there are platforms that are uh, invisible that you will fall through, but they're color marked by a certain color. Oh, I guess you can jump. You can also jump. Yeah. And then and then those people, so that the corresponding alien with that color has to be in the front of the line to activate the platform. Ooh, that was a... It's a big clap. Um, to activate the platform uh, to, to continue. And that's great. It's awesome. You need, you need to find three friends and oh. do 2v2 because that's the best part. Because I did that, and it, was, it, it, it got crazy. Like, we were just, like, screaming at each other, like, trying to beat the friggin' level before. And that, 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 before. the booth is so, it's, 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 it's a pretty intimate booth. Yes. Like, you get up in there, so you get really competitive, and it's, it's also just hilarious to watch. Just... 
Yeah, I, the thing I love about Joggernauts is that it, it it's 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 bait for people who think they're good at games because because you will <laughs> you think you're good at really games. True. You will Try stand Joggernauts. by and watch this game, and you're like, it's going so it. slow. Like you don't you're not even running fast in this game. Like how complicated could it be? And then you get up there, and and it, I mean it's. It's going so fast. Like you don't like when you're observing, you're like it's super slow. And then once you're in the seat with the control in your hand, it's just like we had to verbally do callouts. We we're like, all right, switch, 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 because switch. You, you're like going down a platform, and each one is a different color. So you're like, switch, well, switch, and then switch. And, and then as you're jumping, so if you're in the front and someone is switches with you, you maintain whatever your momentum you're doing. So if yeah. they were in the air while you were on the ground and they switch out with you, you. Should, you just yeah. fall down, right? Yep. So there's so much communication needed, but in that, but like the thing I love about this game the most is that you get iteratively better at it. Yes. Every single time you lose in this game, everybody in the group goes, "All right, one more time, we got this," because this time we yeah. know what we have to do, right? And then of course you come across something you, you did that you're bad at again, but you feel like you just get better every single time you play. It's an awesome game. Yeah. It's across from you, right? It's, it's right across, across from, from me. The, yeah. The Finji yeah. stuff. You guys right. don't know where I am. So I'm going to blow cool. through this real quickly because we don't have a ton of time. So, Church oh. in the Darkness, your brother's been kidnapped by, a, or your brother's joined dark. a cult. Yeah. They have cut off, he's cut off communication. Look, man, <laughs> I didn't mean for this to be this way. <laughs> well, thank you for listening to Mike's first and only appearance on, <laughs> on It's a gem. Uh, so, you go to the, they've moved to South America. It's very Jonestown-ish. So, you go and you want to find your brother and get him out of. Wow. Find your brother and get him out of this cult, right? But so you have to sneak through. It's kind of it's kind of stealthy. Um, but they're also you're looking for your your brother, or you're looking for one of the cult leaders, and you have to talk to potentially sympathetic people who aren't sure. Like maybe this wasn't a good idea to join the cult and bring them evidence that stuff's going wrong to kind of hone in the location of where your brother is and then, mm -hmm. you know, choose whether or not to, to like, leave him there because you guess he's happy with the Kool-Aid people. Or <laughs> you don't know this, but I'm half Guyanese. What? I'm half Guyanese, which is where Jonestown happened. Oh. Oh, no. Well. No, it's fine. <laughs> so, Church in the Darkness, I enjoyed playing... Cults. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really, that's a really fascinating, like, I, like I, I'm not putting you on blast. It is a really fascinating, as someone who grew up with stories about cults and, like, stories about the danger of being um, brought into something that feels like family, but it may not be. Right. Um, this is a really cool one to tackle, especially in South America. It's set in South America, you said? I, yeah. Yeah, that's super cool. I'm very interested in something like this, too, because there's a lot of stuff you can touch on. And, um, and so how many, like... The demo, it does not end with you saving your brother. No, the demo is just about going to find the cult leader. Okay, so they, okay. it's, so it's And it's pretty streamlined. It's also procedurally generated. Oh, interesting. But you can replay the same map, the same story, if you, if you fail. The other thing is, you, you do have a gun with you. You can kill some of the cultists. Um, but if you get captured, what happens is they throw you in, a, in, a, in like an outdoor like jail cell. And the cult leader comes up and talks to you. And depending on your actions leading up to that point, they might just leave you there and someone might come and free you or they might let you out at some point. Or if you've killed a whole bunch of them, they'll just come up and shoot you in the head. Does he ask you what... Interesting. Does he ask you, do you know the definition of insanity? <laughs> no. Right. Wrong far cry. <laughs> Good. All right. Moving on. All right. These last two is both of ours, so we'll go through them kind of quickly. Uh, Mask of Semblance. 
is an awesome, like, isometric action RPG. Yeah, and, and all the assets in the game are hand-drawn by the artists. Um, it's incredible. Like, it's a very small team. I think it's, like, three guys. Also worth calling out that their booth edition, this, uh, oh, yeah. this, this, I don't know what you call that, groundwork was made by his, his girlfriend's mom. Yeah. Which I really liked. It's a nice like, touch. Yeah, my girlfriend's mom made that because she, she wanted to. Like, right, As right. part of their, their booth decoration. Cool. Um, yeah, I liked it a lot. They also have, I thought this was fucking awesome. So their business cards are also a card game. Um, you can go pick a, that up. It's a, oh, seven, no. it's a seven card card game. So oh. all the rules are built into just these three cards, but it also acts like a TCG. So you could oh, add more that. cards. And it's fun. Garbage. Yeah, it's, it's cool game. And it's really good. I That's played so it. That's so cool. I really so their, their yeah. game and their, their business cards are... Uh, but yeah, that's neat. great. But if you go back each day, they have unique cards. Ooh. Ooh. But yeah, check them out. All right, and lastly, King of the Hat. I love this Yeti. I just, everything about this Yeti is incredible. It's a good Yeti. So, the, so uh, uh, that's Ben. He's on the team. He's a part of Hieroglyphic. Um, he's very excited to be here at PAX. Um, he's... <laughs> But so, so uh, King of the Hat is kind of, it's a, it's a four player, up to four player um, competitive kind of, you know, the same kind of maps that you'd seen like a Smash Brothers or something, but like the, the mechanics are completely different. So the way they explain it to me is like, everyone in this world has a hat and the hat is, contains their soul and you throw the hat to like disable people, but if someone stomps on your hat, you die. So, and, and you're out that round. So like, they can stomp on your hat while it's on your head or when you throw it. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah, so just keep keep hold tight of that. that. Uh, but Stump it's on my head, Dylan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so much fun. It, it's, it's really fun. I can't. Time. I mean, it, it's it is it is just if you can get there and get some friends over there, it is the most fun I've had at PAX East is so that a far. Yeti? Yeah, it's a Yeti and a beanie and a red. And beanie. all the characters have different um, like kind of locomotion mechanics. Yeah, it is. It is. There's just, one that's just a washing machine. He just drags across the ground. Oh my god, it's <laughs> very fast. <laughs> Yeah, go check slow. that out just for it, that alone. Wow, yeah, I'm sold. That's really yeah, good. I love it. Um, but yeah, and then also this is a bunch of other games that we've showcased before in the past when we did it at PAX South this year and then PAX East last year. And we'll put this um, on our Twitter. We'll put all, yeah, we'll put all these slides up on, on, on the tweets, on the tweeters, um, so you can check them out. But all the booth information's there. All these games are awesome. Um, all of these games are awesome. <laughs> we did a lot. We, should, we looked at a lot of games previously. Oh, like Overland. That's nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah thank yeah, 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 you. yeah. yeah. But, uh, but yeah, that's, 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 that's us. That's us. Woo. But so, thank you. And now is the part where you all leave while I try to hawk our wares. But so um, if you want to check us out, this panel has been recorded. Um, we do a podcast about indie games, talking to people about indie games. Everyone on this panel has been on there previously mm -hmm. uh, talking about their craft, their awesome things they do. So if you like indie games... Tune in. I always, we always bring on awesome people to interview and stuff. Um, and also, we'll put everything up on our Twitter, and we'll use that hashtag, Packs Hidden Gems. Sweet. It's awesome. Um, check out Felix's games. Those are my games. Uh, Genesis Noir and Tunic. Uh, I'm not missing anything else, right? I, no, I'm okay. sure. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah. Those are the big two here, so yeah. Yeah, they're awesome. And then also, yep. I wrote Mike, a book. Mike wrote a book about business and game dev. It's really awesome. Uh, we talked a lot about it and all the awesome things you can do. You have a lot of awesome interviews in here. Yeah, right. uh, you know, 25, 26 different interviews. Yeah. It's with, published uh, through Mike Bithel's company. Yep. Any, anything else you want to say on that? Uh, you can purchase a copy at that website. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bleak narrative about survival and... <laughs> 
you die every time you read it, and then you come back, you try to apply the knowledge. It's That's about right. despair. And, yeah. And, it's a gorgeous despair, book. Death, happy yeah. Vivisection, vivisection. I'm really interested. Thank you. Thank you again. <laughs> Thank Thanks, you. everybody. Thank <laughs> you.